Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Podcast, brought to you by Canon Press. Check us out at canonpress.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is Douglas Wilson. This is episode 198 of the podcast. So what are we going to talk about here? What are we going to talk about this time? What I want to do is talk a little bit about a recent book of mine, Ride, Ride Sally Ride, and, and the fact that it is being made into a movie. All right. So I want to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about the point of the book or the, the reasoning behind the book. And I think uh, the reasoning behind the movie, only with the movie, more so. <laughs> All right, what, what was happening with the book is also going to be happening with the movie and more so. Uh, the book, the, let me talk a little bit about the genesis of the, the book. I was, I was talking with a friend, Darren Doan. I dedicated the book, I dedicated Ride Sally Ride to Darren because he had the, he had the idea for the central hook. And in our discussion, we were talking about the entertainment, we'll put scare quotes around entertainment, but the movie industry or the, the way modern, the way 21st century people take in content is not the way they did it in the uh, 18th century or the, seventh, or, the, or the 19th century. And we communicate differently. And, we were, and, and Darren and I were talking about the, uh, would it be possible to take uh, to use film to communicate some sort of Phineas moment. So you had that that showdown where uh, that Israelite man led the woman into the tent in front of all Israel, sort of this high-handed um, defiance, blasphemous de- defiance of the God of Israel. And Phineas grabbed a spear and ran into the place where the couple were copulating and ran them both through. Okay. Now that was that was a memorable moment. That okay, whoa, and that was a striking moment. There, there was a everybody was brought up short. Okay, and the idea was that well, is would it be possible to do that in film? Would it be possible to do that in a movie? And we were thinking of doing some shorts or different things for what for whatever reason that that didn't come together. But I had the idea for the hook, and so I checked with Darren. Is it right? Would it be all right with you if I wrote a book around this? And so the book, Ride Sally Ride, if you, if you haven't read Ride Sally Ride yet, apart from being a bad Christian, no, just joking. This is not a spoiler moment, but it might seem like it. There's a young man down in the future who compacts uh, a neighbor's sex doll that the neighbor identified as his wife. So he was, he was introducing this sex doll as his wife. This young Christian man runs it through the compactor at the recycling center, and when he does that, a woke prosecutor charges him with first-degree murder because he dispatched a doll that a man identified as his wife. That's that's not the conclusion of the that that's the setup for the, all the action. That's the setup for for it. And what I wanted was an action an action that would provide that sort of Phineas moment. Now when I wrote when I but when I wrote the novel, 
you know, people look at the, oh, Doug wrote another thing and wrote another book and, and we have to make allowances for uh, Doug and we, we need to uh, understand that he's sometimes controversial. And, and so people, it's a one, basically the book that I wrote is largely a one-man operation. I, you know, there are other people involved in the publishing and marketing of it. I was the one that wrote it. Well, then the, we made the acquaintance over this last, uh, uh, over the last few months of a gent named Joseph Granda, who is, um, lives in Colorado, where this book is set, incidentally. And um, he, he was in lockdown, and he went into lockdown not a Calvinist and came out of lockdown a Calvinist. But one of the other things he did in lockdown was read, uh, read uh, Ride Sally Ride a few times. And he thought that it was, it had the uh, structure, it had the wherewithal to be made into a movie. So he pitched the idea to us, came up here, visited, we talked things through. And, uh, and Joseph just finished the first draft of the screenplay. Okay. By just, this was a couple weeks ago, we got the screenplay. This is all building up to my point. So I, I wrote the book Then I sat down and read the script, read the screenplay for the movie. And the, when it's done that way, when it, when it's laid out as a script of a movie, you're able to see it the way it would hit people as a movie. Now, I think that I wrote the book so as to mess up people's hair. I did do that. But I realized, reading the screenplay, that if this thing makes it to the screen, this movie is going to be one seriously transgressive movie. It's going to offend all kinds of pieties because the reigning secular gods believe that they own the screen. They believe that they own that art form, and they give a, they they're happy with us to inhabit our little carve out ghetto places where we make family friendly movies or faith faith movies. But th- those are ghettos. This this movie has the capacity, uh, like I said, to be seriously transgressive and to, and to make people react as though we had blasphemed in their temple, which after a manner we have. Now, there's certain, certain ways that we're not supposed to blaspheme even, even pagan gods, as the, uh, as the New Testament tells us, teaches us. But I trust that this is the right kind of irreverence, the right kind of, well, let's put it that way, the right kind of irreverence. Pray for the project um, as we raise money for it, as we put together the cast, as we shoot it. I think it's got serious uh, potential. Continuing on with podcast one one ninety eight, we come now to hermartiology. So believe it, believe it or not, hermartiology is a fruitful area of study, so long as you are studying what to avoid instead of what to pursue. So we come now to our next word, which is dipsukos. Dipsukos, D I P S U C H O S, dipsukos. And both times it is translated in the KJV as double minded. Uh, the word is only used twice and both times by James. The first time is in the first chapter of James. A double-minded man, there it is, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. James 1.8. So this comes right after the passage where James says that if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God. But this is not talking about the sort of wisdom needed when deciding between purchasing this car or that one, 
or taking this job or that one. It is, of course, appropriate to ask God for wisdom in all such things. We should always be looking to God for wisdom. But that's not what James is talking about. He's, he, James just told us to count it all joy when we meet with various trials. If any one of us lacks wisdom about that, right? he said, count it all joy, whenever, whatever trial comes, count it all joy about that. Then we should ask God for the wisdom that we need in dealing with the affliction and dealing with the affliction, uh, the affliction the way we were told to, as in counting it all joy, right? So there, and it is there that we are not to be unstable or double-minded. So when we ask God for joy in trials, when we ask God for joy in afflictions, that's what James is talking about, and that's where the promise is. So sometimes people, Christians, talk as though God is always going to give you direct revelatory guidance about which car to buy. We should walk in wisdom, and that's all good, but that's not, it's talking about how to rejoice in afflictions. We have something similar with the other usage, but here it has to do with resisting the temptations to envy or conceit or pride. So James 4.8, draw near to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. There you are. In short, Scripture does not want us to be double-minded about affliction or about temptation and sin doesn't want us to be double-minded about affliction or about temptation and sin. Continuing on with the podcast 198, our book review this time is uh, a book called John Plowman's Pictures. Now, this book is, um, it was actually, I think, originally two books. It's written by Charles Spurgeon and was probably originally a serial or something in in a magazine. And during his lifetime, I think it was, um, you know, John Plowman's pictures and then more John Plowman's pictures. But you can get it, uh, you can get it in one volume. It's um, available on the internet, various editions, I think. But John Plowman's pictures is Spurgeon adopting the persona of an English farmer who is just steeped to the gills with proverbial wisdom. And he, he just goes through all kinds of um, common, ordinary foibles and temptations, whether it's drinking too much or bragging too much, boasting too much, whether it's um, not working hard enough, being, being lazy. If you have a, um, a family devotional time or you've got a time where you, if you're looking for the kind of book that you could read to upper elementary kids, or junior high kids, uh, even high school kids, there's a lot of homely wisdom. I've read it probably twice before. This, the, I just finished it again. Nancy and I are reading it as part of our uh, morning devotions together, and we just read a short little section, and it's just really, some places it's laugh out loud funny. It is homely. It is pointed. It is shrewd. It's insightful. There's a, and, and if you want to pick up a lot of uh, great illustration for for preachers. There's some great illustrations. It's very, very good. John Plowman's pictures. (laughs) 